All right, let's take our Bible tonight and look in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. I'll preach to you tonight about digging deep. Digging deep. Got anybody in here that likes to dig ditches? Like to dig footers? Amen. All right. So we know if we ever have to build a new building, we know that we will hire all that work out. I, I figured I'd get a little bit bigger of an amen there. I, I don't care much for digging ditches. I don't care much for uh, digging footers for a house or for a building. I just don't care a whole lot for digging in the dirt unless it's to plant something. And that's only because I get something to eat out of it. Now, you could, you could offer to take me out to Burger King for digging a ditch for you, and I'd probably turn it down anyway. I just don't care a whole lot for digging. But nonetheless, you're supposed to dig deep in your Christian life. Dig real deep. Dig real deep. And that's what we want to look at here in Luke chapter 6 this evening. Look in verse 46. Luke, Luke chapter 6, verse 46. The Bible says, and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? That's a very good question. A lot of lip service in Christianity today. And the Lord's not too interested in that. But he says, why, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Verse 47, whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built an house and digged deep. That almost sounds like inappropriate English, but it's not. It's good English. It digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock, and when the, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. All right, let's pray. Lord, help us tonight. God, I pray that you'd give me wisdom and direction. Help me to say the things you want me to say. Lord, we'll be sure to give you the honor and praise, God, for everything that's said and done, Lord, to the glory of your own name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The parallel passage to this passage here in Luke chapter 6 is found over in Matthew chapter 7. So turn with me over there if you would. Look in Matthew chapter 7. Hold your place there in Luke 6. And look with me over in Matthew chapter 7. The Bible says here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. The Lord doesn't have a problem calling people names if it's true. The Lord is not, he is, the Lord had very coarse language, but at all the places where the Lord was very blunt in what he said, everything that he said was true. And what we've got right now in this society, particularly, particularly in America, man, it's absolutely amazing. The, thing that's, the things that are going on in this country, where we came from and now where we're at, we have people sitting in Congress who feel like it's their job to be the language police. I, I mean, to pay, for people to be paid nearly, I don't know what they get paid. If I had to guess, I'd say somewhere around $200,000 a year and they have to sit in an office and make laws about what you can and can't say. That's absolutely absurd. Yes, 
uh, somebody needs to come to the backwoods of Georgia and find out that old saying of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. I'm, I'm telling you, we're living in a very, very sissified age, but that's not, really, that's not really the subject of the sermon tonight, but it's true nonetheless. The Lord labels people as wise, and he labels people as fools. And he says very plainly that the people that are wise are the people that hear what he has to say, and they do it. And the people that are fools are the people that hear what he has to say. You catch that? Both people hear. Both people hear, but hearing is not enough. You have to hear and you have to do. If you hear and don't do, you're a fool. That's coming from the mouth of our lovely Lord Jesus. If you hear and do, the Bible says you're a wise man. That's, that's the illustration, that's the analogy that the Lord Jesus Christ gave here in Matthew chapter 7 and looking in Luke chapter 6, which is really my text where I want to draw my points from this evening, he says here in Luke chapter 6, he says, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? The Lord doesn't have a whole lot of respect for folks that will, uh, first of all, well, let me just go ahead and say it. Folks that will listen to what the Lord says and then don't do it. I'd get a little bit ahead of myself, but I'm going to turn over to the book of James very quickly. And James has something to say about those kind of people. Look with me in James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And look here in verse 22. He says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. A lot of people get off the boat when it comes to the doing part. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. That's like getting up in the morning and looking at yourself in the mirror. And boy, that's a very beautiful sight, isn't it, for some of us? Okay. I was saying that tongue in cheek. I mean, you could have laughed or, you know, said, hmm, or something. But nonetheless, I was really saying that tongue in cheek to just see if I could get a, something out of you. Hmm. But not, not such a pretty sight. Hair going all over the place. Of course, some folks ain't got no hair to go all over the place. Some folks' hair turns gray when they get old. Some folks' hair turns loose. That's just the way that it is. But nonetheless, we're not talking about what you look like. We will talk about at some point what you smell like. I recommend, I recommend that you take baths every chance that you get. I heard a preacher, I'm going to run a little rabbit here. I heard a preacher down in Texas rebuke fellas for taking more than one bath a day. You will never hear me doing that. I just, I don't, I don't care a whole lot to smell fellas that have been outside working. Like Brother Curtis says, been out there rendering down like bacon. I just really, I really don't want to smell that to be honest with you. Hey man, I I get around and get outside and work when I sweat and man, I, that's me. That ain't nobody standing around me. That's me, and I head head for the shower. My kids have got to this place right now to where they don't like to take showers, and lo and behold, it's not the boys which is hilarious to me. The one that hates it the worst is not the two fellas. I won't tell you who, who it really is, but I figure you'd probably get a hint from there. Get to the place to where, uh, to where they go outside 
every day. And Hey, you got to go take a bath. You ain't crawling into bed with all that sand on you. I just took a bath yesterday. I, welcome to life. <laughs> Amen. Billy Kelly, I think it was, said that if God intended a man to take a bath more than once a week, he'd have made more Sabbaths. Take, take a bath every Sabbath. I recommend, if you can, you squeeze one in there once a day. Take time out of your busy schedule to take a shower once a day. And if you work real hard outside, God bless you. You take as many as you need to keep smelling clean. I'm not going to tell you. You'll never hear me rebuke a fella for taking more than one shower a day. We will make fun of you if you get soft. We will make fun of you if you get sissified. But at the same time, there's no, there's, there's no scripture in here that says thou shalt not smell good. So you do what you need to do. What that has to do with looking into a glass and beholding your natural face, I'm not sure. But that's in the original Greek somewhere. I'm, I'm positive. You just, okay, don't believe me. That's okay. But nonetheless, that's opinion there. Of course, the smelling good part, that's not opinion. All right, anyways, let's get back to this before we lose too much time. Verse 24, he said, For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You know, in order to be blessed in your deed, you've got to do something. If you don't do nothing, there's nothing for you to be blessed in. That's not very hard to figure out unless you're a Democrat or unless you like to live on welfare. I, I'm really not trying, of course I am trying to be a little bit of a jerk, but I really just am trying to be truthful with you, just trying to point out the truth. People don't understand, they seem to not understand, and Christians are this way, this is really what I'm building up to, but all the rest of this is good preaching anyway. People don't seem to understand that in order for God to bless the works of your hands, you actually have to work. We're going to hit that, Lord willing, here in Ephesians chapter 4. Felt like this is what the Lord wanted me to preach on tonight, so that's what we're doing. But you've got to work. If you want God to bless the work of your hands, you've at least got to work. Now, there's some other stuff that you've got to do, but you've got to exert some labor somewhere. And if you don't want to exert no labor, then why expect God to bless what you're not doing? Duh. And it's the same way in the Christian life. If you want God to bless your spiritual life, You've got to get busy doing some things. You've got to get busy living as a Christian, not sitting around and watching everybody else. There's a lot of, of sideline Christians in Christianity today who are just standing around watching everybody else. Of course, I say everybody else serve the Lord. There's not a whole lot of folks that are really serving the Lord. A whole lot of folks, unfortunately. God have mercy on us as the church. There's a whole lot of folks that are really busy serving themselves. That's the first priority for a lot of folks, and I hope that's not the case. But it might be. It might be the case for you. What you're really interested in is serving you, and you need to get out of that if you're a Christian. That's not, that's not how you're going to dig deep this evening. Why? Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do the things which I say? If you're going to call Jesus Lord, that implies something. That implies that, first of all, you're a servant. That's right. That implies that he's the boss. When he gives you instructions, you pick up those instructions and go on with it and become obedient. He's the boss. He's in charge. That's right. 
So it implies that you're a servant. Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Just a bunch of lip service. Well, he says here, whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, if he does them, I'll show you to whom he's like. He's like a man which built a house and digged deep. He digged deep. And then he gets down here and he says, but he that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation. That, that without a foundation built the house upon the earth. So the first thing, I've already said it, but I want to really try to draw this out quite significantly to you. I want, I want you to notice that both men are hearers. It's not one man is a hearer and the other man is, is a not hearer. Both man, men in this situation, both men are hearers. Now let me say something about the non-hearers. If you're not a hearer, you're not even in the story. The Lord does not believe in... Uh, participation trophies. Amen. Amen. If, if you're that of that liberal mindset, the Lord doesn't believe in you. That's right. God doesn't, God does, God is not a Democrat. God is not a socialist. Amen. Amen. Uh, praise the Lord. God, God didn't necessarily vote for Trump, but God has those lines of principles that have long governed this country that are now quickly being eroded. That's the, that, we got those principles from a place. America didn't come up with that stuff. We borrowed those principles from our lovely Lord. And so God doesn't believe. That's not in the notes, but it's good preaching nonetheless. God doesn't believe in participation trophies. The Lord doesn't believe. God does not believe in honorable mentions. God believes that there's some folks that aren't worthy to be mentioned. Oh, that's just very hard. Well, that's just the way that the Lord looks at it. Lord, I've done many wonderful works in your name. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. I don't even know who you are. What's your name again? Oh, that's right. Doesn't make any difference. Get out of here. I think a lot of folks are going to be very astounded when they stand before God at judgment. Uh, I think a lot of folks, when they stand at, at the judgment, I think they have in their mind that they're going to begin to open their mouth. But when the reality of how much God really knows about you begins to truly set in on that day, you're going to hush your mouth and wish that, wish that he'd go over some things and just leave them out, leave them unmentioned. For fear, you ever begin to open your mouth and argue with your mother? I never did that a whole lot. I watched my brother do that once. I'll just tell you, the end of the story turned out to where he was running down the road. I, it's okay to learn from mistakes, but they don't always have to be your own. But you, you begin to open your mouth and begin to provide a response to maybe your mama or daddy and say, well, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as you open your mouth, she brings something else up. It's almost like you incriminated yourself. Yes, sir. I, it's going to be a whole lot worse when you stand before the Lord. You begin to open your mouth. Job said, if I, open, if I justify my, myself, my own mouth will condemn me. Boy, that's, that's going to be a wild day. And that's true even now. You open your mouth now. Lord, your, mouth, your own mouth condemns you. But if you're not a hearer, you're not even in this story. Look, look with me over in Luke chapter 8 very quickly. Luke chapter 8, I want you to look here in Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, verse 4, he begins to tell a parable. The Bible said when much people were gathered together here in Luke 8, chap, uh, chapter 8, verse 4, when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, 
He spake by a parable, and he went, goes through and he tells this parable of the sower sowing seed and talking about where the seed gets sown. And he gets down to the verse, verse 8. Look there at the end of the verse. He said, And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. You know who that parable was for? That was for whoever would listen. See, in that sense, the Lord is not discriminating. You see that? The Lord, the Lord, in that sense, in that degree, the Lord believes in equal opportunity. Now watch. Watch what happens. Verse 9, And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? Verse 10, And he said, Unto you it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Hmm. Well, what about all the rest of those people that heard? What about those people that had ears to hear? But now... What's the deal? Is it not given to them to understand? Well, apparently not. The Lord gave it to some fellows to understand. Now, here's, here's what you do. Is if you're not careful, you'll look at this and begin to run into Calvinism and say, well, God wants some people to understand and God wants other people to understand. If that's the case, then why did he say, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear? It's for everybody. It's, it's available to everybody. The situation is that there's some folks that eliminate themselves from the possibility of knowing the mysteries. You say, well, how do you put yourself out of that realm? Quit hearing. Just put cotton in your ears, and when God tries to speak to you, when God tries to deal with you, just put your fingers in your ears and say, nah, 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 I don't, I'm not interested, I've got my mind made up. And the Lord will say, okay, then I guess that truth isn't for you. But that's not God's fault, that's your fault. That's because of the response of our heart. You know what? One of the wildest things, I'm going to try not to run this rabbit trail too far, but one of the wildest things is that the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But you know what? You get back into the book of Exodus and you find out why God did that. It's because Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardens his heart, and so God reaches in that fellow's chest cavity and grabs that heart and says, I'll tell you what, you want to do that? Man's heart deviseth his way. The Lord directs his steps. Here's judgment falling all around this guy's ears, and he can't see it. You say, why? Because all it, somebody came up and said, hey, thus saith the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. Response, who's the Lord? <laughs> who's God? Okay. Harden your heart. Oh, that's, I, that's not God. I'm getting ready to preach a message, Lord willing, next Sunday. Y'all pray for me. I'm going to preach a message over the radio about the God you don't know. There's a God that a lot of folks are not familiar with, and that's the God I'm talking about. You harden your heart, and God will turn you over to a reprobate mind. You want case in point? Look at America. Had the light, rejected it, and said, no thanks. We don't want no more of it. And a bunch of dumb citizens, that, that was a lot, a lot of politicians, a d bunch of dumb citizens sat around and just let it ride. It's too busy watching television. Too busy being entertained, too busy eating, too busy drinking, too busy enjoying their fishing, too busy enjoying their hunting, which there ain't nothing wrong with any of that stuff, right? Praise the Lord, I can get amen there. But buddy, we, we bankrupted our country by just sitting back and not saying anything for too long. And I'll tell you something, long before, long before this country ever got bankrupted, the church has gotten bankrupt. I, 
Lord, have mercy. I'm going to just go with it. I was reading an article today from Hillsdale University, the big, big conservative place up there in Michigan of all places. Lord, have mercy. But big conservative place, and they was describing the battles that we're going through in America. And, of course, it's not really a big battle. A lot of folks are just rolling over and letting it go. But you know what's interesting, Brother Curtis? I read through that article and watched everything that that guy was describing. You know, this stuff has already been fought in the church. This stuff, this process, this process of decay has already taken place in the church. It took place in the 1880s, 90s, 1900s, 1910s when the RV rolled out with Westcott and Hort. Yes, sir. Begin to do a bunch of things, begin to remove the history, begin to change the language. Those are all tactics that all the Bible revisers did. And it, what it produced was some of the most corrupt Laodicean, lukewarm Christians that the world has ever seen, and now it's setting in in our country. Of course, it's been setting in for a very long time. Yes, sir, been setting in for a very long time. I don't know exactly how long, but I could hazard a guess, but I don't want to waste my time. All I'm telling you, it's been setting in for a long time, but see, it's already taken place in the church. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anyways, both men are hearers. Get back to this. Both men are hearers right here in Luke chapter 6. And as a result, both men build a house. You see that in Luke chapter 6? Both men are fellows that build a house. A man that hears and does, he builds a house. A man that hears and doesn't do, he builds a house. Both men hear, both men build a house. The problem is, is that when the storm comes, one of them falls flat. And it's the fellow who didn't do. It's the fellow that didn't get engaged. And I'll tell you, a lot of Christians, let me just tell you, let me put it this way. I don't care what side of the fence you're on this evening. I really don't care if you're a hearer and a doer or if you're a hearer and not a doer. I don't care what side of the fence you're on, trouble's coming. Tribulation's on its way. The Bible said man is born under trouble as the sparks fly upward. We get out here and make us a little bonfire and throw that oak or that pine or whatever it is that we got around here, we throw it on the fire. And as soon as you throw a fresh piece of wood on the fire and watch those sparks fly upward, just as sure as those sparks go up, trouble is coming down to your house one day. It's coming. It's on its way. And I'm telling you, the only thing that's going to make you anywhere near prepared for it is if you start digging deep today. Today. You're going to have to start digging deep today. You're going to have to start doing today. You're going to have to start being obedient right now. The problem is a lot of folks wait until cancer's on their doorstep before they start doing a lot of folks are waiting until the babies have got a fever and the doctors ain't got an answer before they start doing. They're waiting to develop a prayer life until tragedy strikes before they start praying. That's a wrong place to start trying to figure out how to get a hold of God. You better figure out how to get a hold of God today while everything's going A-OK. You better start figuring out why, why it's wrong for people to be homosexuals before your boy rolls in the front door and says, Daddy, I don't think I'm straight anymore. You better figure out an answer today. Today, you better start doing today. When tragedy strikes, you ain't going to be ready for it. You ain't going to be ready for it. You're going to have to start looking. You're going to have to start digging deep. You're going to have to dig deep, dig deep, dig deep, dig real deep. 
Let me, let me say this. Let me say this. If you don't feel, I can get back to this thing. I'm a little bit all over the place, but I believe that's okay. If you don't feel like you're getting anything accomplished in your life, both men are builders. Both men are hearers. So if you, don't even feel, if you don't feel like you're building anything in your life, if you don't feel like you're making any progress, maybe the question you need to ask is, am I hearing? You understand that concept? You understand that line of reasoning? Here's a man who hears and does. Here's a man who hears but doesn't do. But both of them are building a house. Now one house falls. The, one house falls, I should say, on this side. The other house stands up, but both of them are building. You say, well, I just don't feel, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. I feel like I'm in a rut. Maybe the thing you need to ask yourself is, you, are you hearing? Are your ears tuned in to instruction? It's a good question. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. Look with me very quickly. Proverbs chapter 2. Look here in Proverbs chapter 2. Look in verse 1. The Bible says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. See, there's inclination towards instruction. Verse 3, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding. Now listen, let me just throw this in here. You're not going to be crying out for understanding. You're not going to be crying out for wisdom if you're not coming to church on a regular basis. You can't sit around and cry out that God would show you something if you can't even drag yourself down to the house of God. You're going to have a hard time praying that God would give you instruction if you ain't even picking up your Bible and at least reading, reading something every day. Those two things don't mix. That's like that thing that we preached on Sunday morning. It's oil and vinegar. It's oil and water. They don't mix. So you're not going to be able to get down on your knees and say, Oh, God, I need some wisdom. I really need some understanding. And then go about your merry way and never pick up God's book. And let me tell you something. If you pick up God's book and don't read that with as much vigor as you read Field and Stream, or home and better gardens. You can forget about getting anything from God. I don't care how hard you think you're praying. Amen. The Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally. God's a liberal. Did you know that? He gives, he's not liberal in the sense of politics here in America, but God's liberal. God, God's not stingy with his gifts. But he says, if any man like wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally. That's a great blessing, by the way. But he said, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. A lot of folks have asked for understanding about the situations that they're in in life. They've asked for wisdom. They've asked God to give them some discretion and give them some discernment about what decisions are right. And it never seems to them, I'm not talking about from the out, from the people that are looking from the outside looking at you. I'm talking about in your own heart, in your own mind, in your own judgment. It never seems like the discernment ever comes. And that might be because you are inconsistent. You waver. 
make a decision to do right one day and then live after the flesh the next day. I'm not talking, listen, I'm not talking about having struggles. I'm not talking about having battles. You're in your body. You are in the flesh. You're going to have to deal with that on a day-to-day basis. But I'm talking about deciding to live after the Spirit one week and then for the next three weeks walk after the flesh. You ain't going to get no wisdom, my friend. You just ain't going to get it. I don't care how much grace you think God's got in store for you. You ain't going to get none. You just ain't going to get none. Paul said, you listen here. Look up here at me. God, Paul said, he said, these things that I've given to you, Timothy, he said, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Why is God going to let you learn something if you ain't going to be able to pass it along and you ain't going to be able to pass it along if you ain't faithful That's just a God's honest truth about the mark. Yes, sir, that's a God's honest truth. You're going to have to get engaged. You are going to have to quit being a hearer, and you're going to have to start being a doer. And if you don't want to be a doer, just be content and satisfied with being dumb for the rest of your life. I'm not very smart, but I don't enjoy it. I'm not very intelligent. I don't have a whole lot of knowledge stuffed up in my brain. 33 years old, I feel like I should be a lot farther along as far as how much information, especially about spiritual things. I feel like I should be a lot farther along than I have right now. But I'm not satisfied with being there. Years ago when I was a little boy and my dad was pastor in this church, there was something that ran around with a bunch of preachers in this area. Dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You can tell them I said so. Of course, I ain't calling their names so you won't know who to tell. Of course, maybe you've heard it yourself. I, dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life is preachers talk about, well, my old grandma back up in the hills in North Georgia, she didn't know how to read, but she sure had the presence of God on her life and she sure knew how to get in touch with God as if to insinuate that it's justifiable for you to be a moron for the rest of your life. I believe with all my heart, Brother Pedro, that there were and there are some old ladies back up in the North Georgia mountains and the North Carolina mountains that don't know how to read and do have the presence of God on their life. But that ain't no justification for you to be lazy. Yes, sir. Get your rear end in gear, sucker. Get engaged and learn. And if you don't want to learn, shut up and sit down. Stupid. Oh, what are you talking about? Well, you bragging about being dumb. You're bragging about being dumb. You're bragging about not having any biblical knowledge but having the Holy Ghost, which, by the way, is a bunch of horse hockey. You ain't filled with the Spirit if you don't know God's principles and God's book. I got scripture for that. I can defend that position very, very easily. And as a matter of fact, when we hit Ephesians chapter 5, I will. People people get into this stupid thing of thinking that the presence of God, the, the, the filling of the Holy Ghost, we're not charismatics. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching, listen, I'm preaching about my own people. I'm preaching about independent Baptists. Independent Baptists walk around and say, we ain't charismatics. We don't believe in speaking in tongues. Yeah, but you do the same thing that a charismatic doesn't estimate the filling of the Holy Ghost to be some emotional outpour, which it is connected. It is connected to your emotions. Boldness is one of the things that shows up. 
But just because you shout loud in a church service, that does not mean, that does not mean you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You might be filled with the devil. I've watched a lot of church services this past week that's made me madder than the devil. And all of them profess to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And got a bunch of girls up there dressed in pants singing, uh, which that reminds me. Let me just say this. Listen, listen, let me say this. I don't, you, want, you ladies want to wear pants down at your house? That's your business. You help yourself. Please don't wear pants here. Dress, dress, dress modestly. Now, if somebody comes in, if that, if that shot the service, it would just have to shoot the service. Amen. I didn't say that mean. I didn't say that nasty. I said it with a good attitude. But I'm watching these churches that are getting to the place to where they're letting all their ladies come in in pants. Mm -hmm. Watch the big church. I'm not going to tell you where it is. Watch the big church with a big name evangelist. Now a pastor went over there and preached in this church, got the lights turned down real dim, and they're purple lights. Why in God's name do you need purple lights in a church house? That ain't no cotton-picking church. That is a strip club. You get upset about that if you want, but that is not a church. You need to take church off your sign. Call it club of some kind. I don't care who you are. That's a bunch of ridiculous mess. You're preaching everything that I think is right. Well, you need to get your heart right with God and get your mind washed out with God's book. All of that to say, ladies, please don't wear pants to the church. Okay? I didn't tell you what to wear at your house. Right? So you help yourself, but don't wear them down here. And that's just for the sake of let's, let's keep church churchy. I like church churchy. I like it a little, a, a little stuff shirt in that sense, in that regard. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, anyways, where were we at? Let me see here. Folkestone, Georgia. Oh, we was in Proverbs chapter 2. That's where we was. He says, verse 3, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. I, that's, by the way, that's why a lot of folks don't get wisdom because you've got to work to find it. You've got to work to find it. Uh, let me just go ahead and get ahead of myself. I'll just go ahead and get ahead of myself. The Bible says here in the book of Luke that the man, according to the book of Luke chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 7, the man who digs deep, he builds his house on the foundation, that's a wise man. The doer, that's the wise man. You know why a lot of folks can't get in touch with wisdom? Because they don't do nothing for the Lord. You know how you get an answer? You know how you figure out how to answer people that come back with you with stupid remarks about Christianity? You know how you figure out how to get in touch with, how to, how to answer people like that? You go up to them and witness to them and they bring out a point and you go, oh, well, um, uh, and then you get real embarrassed and your ears turn red and you go home and you say, now, God, I don't want that to happen again. I pray you'd show me. And you start studying. That burn, that pain of embarrassment, make you study real hard. Don't ever want that to happen again. I don't want to get hemmed up by a Church of Christ fellow who teaches that you can be saved by water baptism. I don't want to get hemmed up by a Catholic who says he gets saved every Sunday morning at 8.30 at Mass. He receives Jesus every Sunday. What are you going to say? 
Well, that pain, that burn right there, that'll make you cry out for some wisdom. God, I need some understanding. But see, you ain't never going to cry out in earnest for wisdom if you don't ever get engaged. You see what I'm saying? You got to dig deep. You got to dig deep. Dig deep. You digging? Are you digging? You got to dig deep. He said, if you'll cry out after her, he said, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You'll find it if you start crying after it. You'll find it. God will let you come into touch with it. But listen, here in Luke chapter 6, hearing's not enough. Building a house is not enough. You're going to, listen, few people here, very few people here. Listen, if you're hearing this evening, if you're hearing, if you're here, hearing, you're part of the few. But if you're one of those that hear and do, you're part of even the fewer. Few will listen, few will hear, but boy, there's very few who will do anything about with what they've heard. They'll do anything with what they heard. You know what's going on with a lot of Christians? You know what I believe Brother Tommy's going on in this church to some degree? And I, I well, let me, just put it, let me just put it out there, just waist high, right across the belt where you can get it, just, just right over home plate, let me just put it. You know what I believe goes on with a lot of Christians, including with Christians in this church? People sit in the church pew and they hear the preacher say something or they'll hear somebody stand up and testify, hear Brother Spike say something in Sunday school, and they'll sit there in their pew and they'll shake their head and say amen, and they will sincerely agree with the truth and walk out the back doors and think that their responsibility has been extinguished. It's been, it's been met. I've done what I'm supposed to do because I agreed with what the truth is. And that is not fulfillment of your responsibility. You heard, you built a house, but if you don't put that in motion, you're going to get into a place one day where the storm's going to come and it's going to level your house. It's going to just wipe it right out. A lot of Christians build their houses just on what the preacher's been preaching for the last 20 years. And that's why when they get in their older years, that's why they get in their older age. I'm not telling you about something I've heard another preacher said. I'm telling you about things I've seen with my own eyes. People sit in church for 20, 30 years, sit on the rump, never do anything. And then when the trouble comes, when the snow's on the roof, and just absolutely demolished, just absolutely lambasted, don't know which way to turn. Oh, my soul. Oh, my God. What am I going to do? God, help me. Well, you should have been learning how to cry out to the Lord. You should have been learning how to get a hold of God years before. Yeah. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, I believe it is, verse 1. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Now, boys, now, today, while the evil days come not, there's things waiting out there for you that you have no idea. There's worse stuff waiting for you boys out there in this world when you get of age than I will have ever seen. There's things waiting out there for some of you boys, for some of you young folks that Brother Curtis never dream of. You're going to have to learn to get a hold of God now. Remember now thy creator in the days of your youth. Today, start building today. Start digging deep right now. Start digging deep while it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot going on down at the house of God. Start digging deep while it seems like everybody else is going to sleep during the church services. Start digging deep when people start backsliding and running out of the church because the preacher said something to hurt my feelings.
feelings. You better start digging deep. You better start getting engaged with God. You better start doing something today. You don't start doing something today. When the trouble comes, you ain't going to be ready for it. You ain't going to be ready for it. Dig deep. Is all that stuff necessary, Brother Nathan? I don't know. I don't know. It's been on my heart, though. I hope you're digging deep, boy. Don't, don't be a shallow Christian. You know what idle Christianity breeds? Shallow Christianity. I'll tell you, some of the folks that are the most shallow Christians you've ever met, and they're ironically the folks that have got the most to say about what goes on in a church, are folks that sit on their butt and don't ever do nothing for the Lord. The folks who are busy... The folks that are doing something for God, they ain't got time to worry about what's going on in the church with the rest of the people. Got to get out of gospel track today. Got to talk to somebody about Jesus today. Oh, did you hear, did you hear about the decision that brother so-and-so made and what, what's going on? Well, okay, let's pray for him. But I ain't got time to worry about all that stuff. I got stuff I'm trying to do for Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, 2 Peter chapter 1. You know what he tells you? 2 Peter chapter 1. Okay, well, you're going to turn over there. I guess I better turn over there too. Praise the Lord. I don't hurt my feelings. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. Yeah, go ahead and turn over there, 2 Peter 1. I was just going to read it to you, but that's okay. Not going to hurt my feelings. 2 Peter chapter 1. Give me a chance to get my breath. 2 Peter chapter 1. Look here in verse 5. He said, beside this, Beside this, you say, beside what? Well, verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Listen, you sitting in here this evening, you saved, you got the divine nature sitting right in your bosom. You didn't have to work for that. That's a work of God. That's what Jesus Christ did for you at Calvary. But there's something beside this. That's what he says in verse 5. Beside this, given all diligence, add to your faith. You got faith? Well, you're going to have to add to it. You say, what is it? Virtue. You know what virtue is? It's power. It's strength. It's, it's let's get, get with it. You, man, you look up in Webster's Dictionary, you know what it is? I think Brother Mike said it, Mike Easter. He said, virtue, Webster said, virtue is obedience to the truth. It's obedience to the truth. You're going to have to add. You know, you don't get out of order here in, in 2 Peter chapter 1. He says, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge. Say, oh boy. See, there's, there's the missing link. You talk about the missing link. Here's a fork. Here's a spoon. The missing link is the spork. Whew. Or either it just wasn't funny. Y'all have heard that 15 times. That's okay. You don't have to laugh at my corny jokes. I won't get mad about that. <clears throat> I'll go home and cry about it, though. But nonetheless, talk about the missing link in Christianity. You know where the missing link between faith and knowledge is? Obedience. Virtue. Don't get busy. Don't do nothing. Hey, Amen. This is not really intended to be a rebuking message, although if the Lord's dealing with you, take it as a rebuke. But this is not really intended to be a rebuking message. I'm really trying to preach to help you, to encourage you. You know what happened here in the church, Brother Spike? 
Brother Stocker came through and he preached and the Lord touched our hearts. The Lord touched my heart, dealt with me about getting busy. And I believe just the same God dealt with a lot of you folks about getting busy. And you know what you did? You got busy. And just as soon as some of you got busy, adversity started showing up. Somebody started fighting against, not, not you, just you, the entire church. Folks start getting sick, which it happens. Like I said, trouble's going to come as the spark, sparks fly upwards. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you don't stay busy, if you don't stay engaged, when the trouble comes in the future, it's going to just wipe you out. That's what he's saying here in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 6, you're going to have to add to your faith virtue. Of course, there might be some of you that are not in, as engaged as the Lord wants you to be. Took a step forward, and God said, okay, you need to take two more steps. I don't know. I mean, this is just what everybody else is doing. I don't care what everybody else is doing. You need to do some more. No, I'm fine right here. Add to your faith virtue. Go on. Jump on out there. You don't have to be with People's Baptist Church. You don't have to be with the rest of the congregation to pass out a gospel track. I tell you this. You get out there and we all hold signs for Jesus out there on the street corner. You don't have to be with the rest of the, con the congregation to do that. You can do that by yourself if you want, if you want. I'm not telling you have to do that. All I'm telling you is stay busy. Obey. Obey. If you don't, when the tragedy strikes, when trouble comes, it's going to wipe you out. It's going to wipe you out. All right, look back in Luke chapter 6, and we'll, we'll close with this. Luke chapter 6. <clears throat> Luke chapter 6, look in verse 48. Well, look in verse 47. He said, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, he hears and he does. Verse 48, He's like a man which built an house and digged deep and laid a foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that foundation. Is that what it says? It beat vehemently upon that house. It's ironic. It's ironic that when the trouble comes, it doesn't beat. It doesn't beat on the things that you're doing. It beats on the things that you heard. Think about that sit in a church like this and you hear a preacher say this is right and this is right and this is wrong you need to do this and you need to do that and you sit there and you say mm-hmm mm-hmm yep that's true that's good preaching and you go out and you don't do nothing about it and when adversity from the world comes and all the folks out in Congress say you can't call those people fags and queers oh maybe 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 they're right about that stuff begin to preach the truth that's right and that's true. And you sit there like a bump on the log and you don't ever do nothing about it out the, outside the doors. When adversity comes, you begin to just roll with the adversity because that stream, that storms, it's not beaten against the things. It's, beat, it's, beaten, it's beaten against what you've heard. It's beaten against the house because both men here, both men have a house. But you know what he says? He said when that flood arose and stream beat vehemently upon the house, it couldn't shake it because it's founded upon a rock. 
You know what will do you the best good as far as learning what is, what is true and what's right when the preacher stands up and says something that's true and right? You know what will help solidify that in your own heart and mind? Go out and put it into practice. Take what you hear in here and take it right out the back doors and repeat it. Well, I don't feel much like being a copycat. Well, you're a copycat when you watch Hollywood and try to emulate them. Copy what goes on in here. Hear somebody say something that's true and it's good. and Yeah, I'm going to try that out on them reprobates that I work with. Yeah. Man, I feel weird preaching on the radio, Brother Pedro, because a lot of what I'm preaching is what I've heard other preachers say on the radio. You say, well, don't you have anything original? No. What am I going to come up with that hasn't already been come up with? Why do you feel like you have to be such an individual? I really want to shine. That's not what the Lord said. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Let his light shine. He calls that your light, though. But you see what I'm saying? Put it into practice. The strength of the house, the strength of the house is determined by the foundation. It's not determined by the shingles. You better thank God for that, especially here. Lord, have mercy. If this building was, was contingent on the strength of the shingles, we'd be better off meeting in a canvas tent. Anyways, but whatever that was for, oh, strength of the house is determined by the foundation. Couldn't shake the house because it was sitting on a firm foundation. You say, well, Brother Nathan, I'm so spiritual, and I understand that the foundation is Jesus Christ. Okay? I'll, I'll go with you on that. If you take one word and take the life of Jesus Christ and sum his life up in one word, what word would it be? And I'll give you a hint. Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of the servant, was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient, obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath also highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I sat down back here the other day and watched a church, watched a whole church quote Philippians chapter 2. Well, that's a great blessing to me. I got a lot of encouragement out of that. Y'all want to take on that challenge? Anyways, we'll leave it at that. Take the life of Jesus Christ, sum it up in one word, obedience. Let me ask you something. How do you think you're going to be a Christian? How do you think you're going to be a Christian and not be obedient? I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I follow Jesus. Are you obedient? If you're not obedient, you're not a Christian. Dig deep. Dig deep. You say, I'm digging deep. Keep digging. Keep digging. Lord, help us, God. Lord, thank you, God, for good spirit in here this evening. God, thank you for good liberty. God, I pray you'd help the folks. God, I pray that this would not fall on deaf ears. God, I pray you'd take this, God, Lord, and deal with people. God, I pray that you'd help them, Lord. Help them, God, to keep digging. 
Help them to keep going, Lord. We'll thank you for it, God. Help this church, but I pray, Lord. I pray, I pray for the church, but I pray for the individuals, God, here in the church, Lord. I don't know what everybody is dealing with. I don't know uh, the exact situation that every individual is dealing with in this church, but, Lord, I know that you know. And, God, I know, Lord, that I, I believe with all my heart, God, there's something in this message for every single person sitting in here. And I pray you'd help them, God. Pray you'd bless them. Bless these folks for coming out tonight. God, bless them in a way, God, to where they know it was for them being in the house of God. Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, God bless you. You're dismissed.